Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I am joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Today, Jen, we are going to finally arrive at the Waking Sands. What? We're also going to spend some time talking about each of the Scions, since we're going to be spending a lot of time with them going forward. Good. These are our friends. Not yet, they're not. But first, what happened last time? So last time we did the two dungeons. We did Tamtara Deepcroft, and then we did Copperbell Mines, and that uh, that conclude the uh, the triumvirate of dungeons in each of the main starting areas. And then we went back to Momodi, and there was a commotion outside the Adventurers Guild in Ulda, and uh, we saved a maiden in distress from some jerks. And that's when we were finally approached by. Ida and Papalimo saying like, hey, you know what? We've been watching you for a while. You seem great. Um, We've also noticed you have this special ability and we could really use your help in our organization. And our organization is called the Scions on the Seventh Dawn. If you're interested, speak to Momodi and she'll let you know where to find us. So that's where we are. So we do. We are curious. So we head over to the quicksand and talk to the proprietress Momodi. We find her hobnobbing with new adventurers. But before we can ask for directions, she says we have an appointment with Etta. We remember Etta. Obviously, she was in a very troubled group of adventurers. And it seemed like uh, she was not a very good healer. And she also had a... I disagree. But it sounds like people were just bad in general or not working together. And they're blaming her. Just like, you know, in a real adventuring party with real players, if the DPS dies because they stand in shit... And they blame the healer or something because they want to shift the blame for themselves. So I don't buy the propaganda that Edda is the one who was the weak link. Okay. Well, either way, it was a really toxic group of people. They should not have been adventuring together. But we've been kind of adventuring together. You know, we both of our parties are showing up at dungeons at about the same time, uh, trying to get the work, trying to make the money. So Edda, you know, she's all alone now. And she approaches us to say like, hey... I'm just, I noticed you and you're obviously just kind of amazing. And she also tells us that Avir was her husband-to-be and he's dead. That's called a fiancé, Jen. Uh, Jesus Christ. So sad times for Etta, but she has basically taken the lumps. Well, also she tells us that apparently Avir looked up to us. Like he was seeing us doing the stuff versus messing it up. And he was like, I'm going to be like that person when I grow up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because he is, he has passed on, she is going to go back and hit the books and become, you know, the best adventurer she could be using us as, uh, as inspiration. Thank you so much. And I'll, you know, see you on the other side kind of a thing. And So bye for now, mm-hmm. Etta. See you later, Etta. Good luck. Back to business, though. We ask Mamodi about the Scions, and she gives us a disclaimer. The Scions don't do normal adventuring work. We should be sure that we want to take it to the next level before we get in over our heads. Yeah, she was like, I swear, if there were two doors and one was called Certain Death, 
And the other one was, you know, riches forever. We would all just go through the certain death door. That's essentially what she's saying we're doing by joining the Scions. So bring it on. Yes. So we say that we are hardcore enough to be in the Scions. Mm -hmm. And she gives us their secret headquarters location. Super secret. Because they have many enemies. Many enemies. They're located in Vesper Bay. Vesper Bay is a major port of Ulda that is funded by the Syndicate. It's in western Thanalan, just west of the Silent King, that sunken lagoon statue ruins area. We have to travel through these tunnels that go through the mesas that dominate the region to get to Vesper Bay. And eventually the last tunnel opens up into a collection of low sandstone buildings that terminate at the coastline. And there's a big bronze statue of our favorite monetarist, Lord Lolorito. Good. Right in the center of Vesper Bay. Wow. That's ridiculous. I don't know if I ever noticed that. <laughs> I think, yeah, I didn't know it was Lolorito specifically. Ugh, He's gross. right in your face. He's like, Gross. Welcome. And he, like, he's still alive and walking around. Like, what a piece of shit. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, look at that. There's the statue of me. The Waking Sands itself is an unassuming building with a huge secret basement. We first run into the Lalafell Tataru. Apparently she's like the receptionist or whatever. And we walk into the building and she's she doesn't notice us because she's singing a little song to herself. And that's really cute. So she's just she's standing on a chair doing a little sing along to herself. And then she looks over and she's like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. It, you, um, why are you here? This is a private establishment. I'm going to have to ask you. And we're like, um, oh, I'm sorry. My name is blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, oh, yes, uh, pff, we're expecting you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Won't you come in? <laughs> uh, the antecedent is expecting you. Tataru is our first big character. She's wearing her classic pink tunic and red feathered cap. It's more like a like a dark mauve. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for catching that, that I, slip up. Yeah, really embarrassing. Or maybe is it, is it ox blood? I can't get your story it. straight, Never, Jen. I forget it. Wow. I don't remember. Shit. <laughs> Tataru is the coin counter, and in a way, she's the keeper of the public face of the Waking Sands. She's so good at it. She is. The Scions are a secret organization. This is their secret base. So she's here to be the one who ostensibly operates the building, and she shoes away anyone who shouldn't be there, like us, a moment ago, until mm -hmm. she realized that we were on the list. We are not riffraff. No. Well, debatable, but- Not today. <laughs> not today. It'll be a while before she takes off as a character, but when she does, she'll do so in a big way. Oh boy. She's going to change the world. Tataru comes from a rich family that lost its fortune when she was young. The troubles she experienced may be responsible for her ruthless skills with money today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As a child, though, she had to start working to keep her family above water, taking up as a jeweler's apprentice. During this time, she met the future leader of the Scions, Minfilia, when Minfilia brought in some gems to be appraised. And then she would later return to recruit Tataru to the cause. Nice. How old was Minfilia when they, when they first met? Was she like a teenager or was she like an adult? The timeline's not distinct, but probably in like the late, late teens to early 20s range, I'm guessing. Yeah, because I feel like, how old is Minfilia right now? Like 24? <laughs> 29. I'm terrible at remembering okay. these numbers. Yeah, we should, whatever we think, it's always going to be younger, apparently. 
I think it's a genre thing, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, true, but whatever. Everyone's young. We all die young here, so. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Gotta get in while we can. Anyway, uh, we've met Tatarud. We go into a uh, this lower chamber, which has uh, a couple of different hallways. You got a place to the left, a place to the right, a place straight forward. We're going to the solar. If you detour here, though, Jen, to the left, we come to this giant storage room slash meeting room that is full of tables and kegs and boxes and casks. There are a few other hopefuls like us who are hanging out in this room talking about how they're nervous about joining up with the Scions. Hmm, I miss that. Yeah, at least one of these characters becomes very important later on. Cool. So they're all hanging out in this room. One's like, I wonder if this is a scam. I'm, I'm not really sure, but it seems legit because they've got so much stuff down here. No, that's like, a, it's, it's it's furnished and it's well guarded. Yes. Uh, they have um, folks just kind of like hanging out, watching and um, manning the doors and letting people in. So, you know, this is a, this is a legit operation. Another says that he saw this meeting in a dream, oh. which is the echo. Uh-huh, yes. And he was drawn here that way. Cool. Yeah. These are kind of our peers at the moment. Other adventurers who have been tapped for greatness or an early death. You know, yeah, you know, science. You mean certain death or riches forever. But in the main room, though, we'll be back here several times. <laughs> the solar. This is a fairly grand chamber for a secret underground lair. It has an ornate carpet, shelves full of books, hanging banners, and there is a broken staff in a frame that hangs just behind a large desk. Mm-hmm. The staff is Tupsamati which is the recovered remains of Louis Soie's staff that he used to channel the Twelve in his attempt to prevent the fall of Dalamud during yes. the Calamity. Yes. So those pieces have now been relocated here, and they're framed in memory of the departed Louis Soie. Yeah. He was the, the previous head of the Scions. Not quite. I'll get into the history in a minute when we start talking to people. We walk in. All of them are there, and they're all staring at us. Yeah, it's like, hello. Jesus Christ. Okay, hi, everybody. Am I in the right room? Ah. Oh, anxiety. Minvilia is very nice. And obviously, we recognize Ida and Papa Limo. We've met all these characters, save for two, because we played through all the opening cities. So every so-called Charlene scholar is here. Ida, Papa Limo, Thancred, Yishtola. And then we see Minfilia. She's a blonde lady wearing pink, and she's right dead center. And there's some weird nerd in the corner wearing a robe. A creeper guy. Yep. With a hood up, with goggles on. Suspicious. So, wow. Yeah. So here we are in the solar. Um, and Minfilia proceeds to tell us about, about the Scions of the Seven Dawn, what it is that they do, why they exist. We are the Scions of the Seventh Dawn, an order that transcends political boundaries. Our single objective is the preservation of the future of Eorzea. Among our gravest concerns are the godlike beings known as the Primals. Their existence is a bane upon Eorzea, nay, the world at large. Well, she asks us, you know, are you familiar with um, Charlian? And, you know, kind of, yes. 
She's like, well, um, everybody here is a um, uh, is an archon, meaning the Charlian scholars who decided to stay in Eorzea rather than fleeing back to Charlian. I don't know if this is a retcon or what, but that's not what an archon is in the, the current form of the game. Archons are a title that are given to very proficient and knowing scholars in Charlian. So it's like a PhD kind of. I see. I don't know if they retconned it or or what, but we will learn later on that becoming an archon is like a title that is given to recognized sages. I guess sages is a class, goddammit. <laughs> recognized scholars and not these guys who said they're going to stay behind. Scholars are also a job. These people are also archons, let's be clear, but they have received the title through their efforts in Charlayan, not because they stayed behind. Well, in Minfilia's speech, that's the insinuation. She says that, but yeah, I, I think it either is a mistake on someone's part or a retcon. Well, or, or maybe she's confused because she's not from around there. Could be. She, she no. She's a local. Well, so. I mean, so I. long story short, we're surrounded by archons. And we are there because we have, well, one, we're, we're good people. And two, we have the power of the Echo, uh, which is a skill that will be vital in their quest to rid Eorzea or rid, you know, the world at large of primals. That is their number one threat. Um, that's their biggest focus at the moment is, uh, the, is primals. Right. The official mission of the Scions is the preservation of the future of Eorzea, which is a wonderfully vague and pleasant sounding aspiration. Right. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> but yeah, primals are the current focus. Yeah. And so that's, that is something that threatens kind of the weakened state of Eorzea after the calamity. And the thing that can totally fuck everything up and skew the dynamic towards, towards evil and possibly just, you know, more more death and destruction. The the goal essentially is that for humanity to be uplifted, the primals have to go because they are standing in the way of a peaceful Eorzea. That's exactly it. The mission right now is to take care of the primal threat, but also in terms of the order's overall organization, because Minvilia is is very vague right now. She talks in very kind of big aspirational words, but doesn't give any details. So she's like, we have brought people together that have the Echo. And Minfilia, too, has the Echo, by the way. Yes. She tells you smugly. Yes. And she's like, yes, I, too, have the Echo. <laughs> um, Good reveal. Yeah. But this finally puts a word and a concept to the thing we've, we've been experiencing the entire game. And we got a sneak peek with the Gradania route because Connie Senna dropped the name and some details there, mm -hmm. but other characters won't have heard this yet necessarily but now though we are told that the echo is a rare gift that some individuals have and it manifests differently from person to person but they can usually peer into the past of another and discern their thoughts beyond the barriers of language indeed you may not understand their words but you will understand their mind though you can't control what happens right. so good luck <clears throat> have fun. which is fair it's been the experience so far We'll talk a bit about the Scions first. So in all of this knowledge dropping and kind of lofty words by Minfilia, there is an important history to what led to the creation of the Scions of the Seventh Dawn. The Seventh Dawn refers to the seventh era of the world, 
we have just seen the birth of the seventh Umbral Era with the Calamity, the fall of Dalamud. But this group did not spring into being spontaneously. There is quite a bit of history here. It is the formation of a unified cause by two separate groups. One of them is the Circle of Knowing, which is the group that was founded by Louis Swa that we talked about during the Battle of Cartineau episode. And the Circle of Knowing was charged with, it's very similar to the, the other group, honestly, but essentially it's there to the safeguard Eorzea and the world in general. The Circle of Knowing was concerned about the Garlean threat, and so they decided to intervene in Eorzea to turn the tide of Garlean expansion. And that's when people like Thancred and Papalimo and all the whole crew from Charlayan, they all arrived in Eorzea to make inroads here and to try to bring about political change and political will to stop the Garlean expansion. So that's the circle. The other group is the Path of the Twelve. The Path of the Twelve was founded by Minfilia, and this is way back in the Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 days. The purpose of the path is to collect, safeguard, and to further those with the Echo. Essentially, it's bringing these people together who are in some places persecuted and trying to use this power for good. And of course, that also turns into safeguarding Eorzea. So maybe it's a natural merger that came about in the future. <laughs> I like Eorzea. You guys like Eorzea. Let's do something with this. Yeah. There's some cross-pollination between these two groups, as we'll find out as we delve into the history in a little bit. After Louis Bois died with the Calamity, these two groups got together and they became one new group, the Scions of the Seventh Dawn. But anyway, so that's all the history of the Scions. During this meeting, we get interrupted by Tataru, who brings in some papers. Very important papers. Yes, that Menphilia must sign. And she does. This is our... <laughs> Our job perks, like, let me just sign your your IRA. Yeah. And like and with that, you can have retainers. And it's so funny, like the the uh the unlocking of the retainers is presented like it's like a really like here's your twenty thousand dollars sign on bonus. And it's <laughs> it's like it's presented like it's a really fucking huge deal. You can make money. You can yeah. they can sell your shit on the market. This is better than a signing bonus. It is a seed of your it's, future it's empire. It's basically uh, like a business license. Right. <laughs> Here's the bonus. Yeah. So and it's like, you know, hopefully, you know, you can, we want to, we want to support you and your personal goals and your personal development. But at the same time, I think you can help our organization. It's so it becomes like this weird, like. Help us help you help us. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you will consider this you know, the joining of our organization as a, as a benefit to yourself. And you can see how we take care of our people. Like, okay. And then we get the password unprompted. Just, you know, here's the password, Wild Rose. We haven't technically said yes yet. Like, here's your, here's your retainers. Here's the secret, super secret password. Here's our super secret location. Like, they couldn't have held the interview or this, this sort of screening is somewhere not in their secret lair. We call this a hard sell, Jen. <laughs> right, yeah. So <laughs> Try we, saying no now. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, we've given you retainers. What, you're just going to say no? You owe us. Being good prospective employees, we're going to ask around a bit about this new employer before saying yes. So we have all the Scions just hanging out in this room. So let's do a background check on Minfilia first. Ooh. So Jin, I like most of the Scions, but I don't like Minfilia. Ah, uh, she's, she's fine. She's not an asshole or anything. 
but she's very flat. She is a damper on, I think, the first part of the game. This is not a hot take. This is, is a common yeah. opinion. Yeah. So I, I'm not breaking ground here or anything. But I think that her just holier than thou, impeccably calm, all-knowing demeanor, mm-hmm. just it takes the air out of the room. And you can't have tension in the narrative when she always knows what to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's like when you meet somebody and they're just so... They're so nice and even-tempered, and but you don't feel like you could really like have fun with them because they're so I don't know street laced or something. Like you couldn't joke around with her. Yeah, she like she either wouldn't get it or it'd be like that's nice, dear. Yeah, like mm-hmm, you know the the, the yes. sensible chuckle and then uh, back on task sort of a thing. Which right is yeah. So you don't ever feel like a you know a connection to her throughout you know all the hours you're gonna spend working with her. So yeah, it's like a, it's just one of those. It's a weird feeling. It's just it's just like a huge wall or something. Yep, and it, it's kind of like a manager that doesn't get out of the way for the team to work. It feels like she's kind of like a barrier to bonding with the other scions. Yeah, she kind of she she maintains this this vibe, it, and it traps everybody in it. Yep. Which I mean, again, she's not like she's not an asshole, but it's yeah, it's this 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 weird sense like it's it, business only. Nothing but the facts. Yes. Just We're on the, the clock, memes. people. Y- yeah. Here we go. Yeah. It's like, eh. But she does have a very storied history. Most of it is hidden behind the, the cutoff between 1 and 2.0. Mm-hmm. So she first appears on the scene in Ulda as a child. This is way back even before the first version of this game. Before the start of the game, th- these events are shown in Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 but they are not in the quote present of it. It's a flashback in that game. Anyway, all that stuff aside, her name was Acilia back then. She and her father, Warburton, are at a parade in the Ulda city streets, but unfortunately for them, they're in the vicinity of a group of upstarts that are trying to pull off a ruse. This group's plan is to set a captive Gubhu free, have it run amok, and then defeat it in order to skyrocket their social standing and to make political change in Ulda. Wow. So this group arranges for the Gupu's fetters to break because it's in the parade. And unsurprisingly, it doesn't stay on script. So the thing rampages all over the place. This group cannot get their shit together and kill it. And also, Thancred is here too. Thancred is not part of this manipulation he is just there, and he tries to fight the Gubu, and he almost succeeds, but then he knocks it down. He takes a moment to put his hands on his hips and to start bragging, but then the creature gets up again and goes charging for Warburton, Asilia's father, and kills him. Asilia is orphaned in these events here. Thancred feels some responsibility because he's too busy showboating to actually finish the job, and so he feels like he is partially responsible for Warburton's death. One of the conspirators in this event who feels guilty, this is a Mikote named Philomene, she adopts Asilia. And then there's some drama later on when Asilia learns of Philomene's involvement in her father's death, but eventually they reconcile. And all throughout this period, Thancred kind of remains in Asilia's orbit like a, a godfather. Mm-hmm. He is protective of her. But also, he is not yet matured. 
he's a womanizer and he's got his own stuff going on for the circle of knowing Mm -hmm. and shit so he comes in and out of her circle but doesn't stay put whereas philomene is functionally Cecilia's mother for most of this time period also during that time it comes out that Cecilia's father was a garlean agent that defected from the empire so thancred renames Cecilia to minfilia to hide her identity to protect her from reprisal from the empire oh, wow. in case they came looking for her. Yeah. So more time passes. Minfilia learns that she has the echo. She grows up and founds the Path of the Twelve. This is a group dedicated, again, to bringing together people with the echo and kind of fostering their power. This is like the Scions in 1.0. This group, your character meets in 1.0 and you join up and you do missions with them. But after the Calamity, the the Path of the Twelve merges with the Circle of Knowing, and then we get the Scions today. So that is Minfilia's backstory. It's kind of messy because it spans two time skips and also it's from a defunct game. But that's everything that led her to be where she is now. Yeah, what a pretty rough childhood. Yes, (laughs) putting it lightly. It's just with with a past like that, you'd think that she would be a little bit more faceted. Yeah. As a character you interact <laughs> with. But. So let's jump over to Thancred now. He's the white-haired ladies' man. He was our Uldan character's scholar contact. And he's leaning on the wall, waiting us to make a decision. Big single uncle energy. Yeah, for sure. You know, just leaning back all casual, all cool, all yep. disaffected. Thancred Waters is actually from Limsa Lamensa. He got wrapped up in this whole mess when he, as a young street urchin, tried to steal from Archon Louisois. (laughs) Instead of busting him, though, Louisois took a liking to Thancred and brought him back to Charlayan with him, where Thancred studied to become an intelligence agent. He, of course, was a natural pick for Louisois' circle of knowing, and so he returned to Eorzea to make inroads with the leaders with the goal of helping them make a stand against the Garlean Empire. Thancred is a roguish figure who has quite a bit of growing up to do still, but he loves the ladies and he has a very high opinion of himself. Yeah, but he's, you know, there's a little bit of, of arrogance there. He's a very sarcastic guy, but he, you immediately feel like he's got a big fat heart. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't prickle around him, you know, like yeah. a lot of, you know, arrogant, you know, chads or whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, he's still very approachable and a kind, kind person. He's got a tumultuous character arc coming up. Mm-hmm. So buckle up. Oh, it's great. It's really good. On the bench next to Thinkred is Yishtola, the also white haired Mikote conjurer. She is the uh, she's in charge of. Uh, well, she oversees uh, Limsa Lobinsa. For the Scions, not politically speaking. Oh, correct. Yeah. So, well, all so all of the Scions have like a um, an assigned area. So, yeah. uh, Ida and Papalimo uh, monitor the Black Shroud or the Twelve Wood. Um, Thancred it handles Ulda and its surrounding areas, and Yestola handles Limsa Lobinsa and Lenosia. They just kind of keep an eye out. Yep. Um, monitoring the activities of um, the tribes, etc. Yishtola Rule was born in the aborted Charlayan colony in the Dravanian hinterlands. And given her innate magical talents, she was assigned to apprentice with the Great Matoya, a reclusive and talented archon. 
And although Matoya bristled at this burden at first, Ischola stubbornly stuck with this probably abuse and rigorous set of challenges that Matoya put forward mm. until eventually Ischola persevered enough for Matoya to accept her as a student and she embarked on a long and rigorous apprenticeship under Matoya. When the Charleans vacated the Dravanian colony due to concerns of Garlean expansionism, Ischola departed for Charlayan itself while Matoya stayed behind in Dravania. Ischola was soon afterwards recruited to the Circle of Knowing and sent to Limsa to make inroads there. So Ischola is pretty no-nonsense. Big yeah. killjoy. Kind of. Probably. <laughs> not, not in the way that Menphilia is. And there you do get brief glimpses now and then of, uh, you know, a sense of humor or, uh, you know, cracks in the armor when she talks about maybe her, her childhood, things like that. Yeah. So like you, you can, you kind of connect and you get that she, she wants to keep those things guarded, but she is brilliant and powerful. And uh, you just immediately are like, wow, I respect you so much. Well, she's widely regarded by the 14 community as having mom vibes. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I see her more like, you know, kind of the serious older sister. Not so much, you know, mommy, mommy stole. Well, you can take that stance of the Internet, Jen. I'm not going to not going to get in that battle. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like I get it, but I don't get it. So we wander over to Ida next, who is hanging out, of course, with Papalimo. Hello there. Welcome. I had every confidence that you would agree to help us. Me too. Ida gives us the complete history of the Waking Sands when we talk to her. Quote. It used to be like somewhere else, but then a bunch of stuff happened and now we're here. Papalimo is very much the opposite. It, it's a good pairing. It's with a those great two. pairing. Yeah, they, they're super cute. Ida Hext is a here pugilist from Alamigo. She generally wears a perforated mask over her face, a turban, and these distinctive metal thigh-high boots. They're not going to be called boots. They're Greaves, called... I think. Oh, okay, Greaves. Yeah, yeah. that's better. These boots are made for kicking. Absolutely, and she does. She's amazing. Ida fled from Alamigo with her sister when the Garleans conquered it. They tried to take refuge in the Twelves Wood, but the Elementals refused to accept them and the other Alamegan refugees. So they drifted around for some time until eventually they were allowed to stay with the Charleans at the Dravanian Hinterlands colony. Ida didn't take well to study, but Papalimo was a diligent mentor. With his help, Ida was given the title of Archon by the Charleans. She was recruited into the circle alongside Papalimo, and although loyal to the cause of the circle and later the Scions, Ida still longs for her homeland. Yeah. And in fact, it was this attachment that served her as a way in because the circle was concerned by the Garleans. So yes. there's a natural tie-in from her own experience and the circle's mission back then. Well, she's, she's the most fun. And the most lighthearted. It's it's almost jarring how different her personality is from everybody else. I like probably the closest uh, in, in vibe would be Thancred, maybe just because there are they they uh, you know they introduce maybe a little bit more irreverence to the whole to the whole vibe. But she's 
she's just so like whatever everything's like great you seem really nice <laughs> so I, I couldn't find this gin but i want to know what she studied i tried to find some detail but couldn't locate it because she doesn't seem like the type to stay put to get a fantasy phd no she doesn't but she has one and yeah we do know that Papalima was the one who kept her on task, so she obviously did something well enough to get that title. Of course, we can't talk about Ida without Papalimo, the Lalafell Thaumaturge. Papalimo Totolimo is from Charlayan itself, as in the, the main archipelago, not the colony. Mm-hmm. He studied there under Archon Louisois directly, and then later moved to the hinterlands where he met Ida. He and Louis Swad together sponsored the group of refugees that included Ida and her sister. That's how Papalimo and Ida met. Like Ischola, Papalimo is no nonsense, but he's a bit more brusque and personalityed. He's an old soul. Good way to put it. But also, he is accommodating of humor too. He's got his own kind of stiff lip yeah, humor yeah, yeah. himself. Yeah. Like he. He will, you know, humor you, but he'll always pretend like, you know, like, oh, this is inappropriate. That's Papalimo. Unfortunately, less on him than other people, which is too bad for reasons. I know. <laughs> but this brings us to the last scion in the corner. <laughs> Creeper guy. This is Urian J, a fully robed and hooded Elizin that has his back to us and is furiously writing in a book. If we try to talk to him... He immediately starts off by quoting some prophecy, like the first literal thing, not like, what's up? I'm Urian J. Yeah. It is just seven waiting moons, see seven suns rise, divine order royals, fallen corpses writhe. Just what an enigma this guy is. To be clear, Jen, when I bag on Urian J, I do so with affection. Of course. I think that's all of us. He's this, good people. He's fine. This guy's good people. He's a good <laughs> character, even though he has some serious socialization issues yeah he doesn't know how to relate (laughs) to other people at all he's still a great character and he he owns his style this this guy here grew up also in charlayan he was raised by books like i had my own phase where i read tons of books and you pick up words that you don't know how to say properly or incorporate into vocabulary urian j has his own unique affectation of yeah oldie speech that nobody else does. Mm-hmm. And this is because he read ye olde tomes all his childhood <laughs> and learned to speak from these things. Yeah. And it always made him like the weird nerd kid yep. growing up. On top of just being a bookworm in general, he has a personal affinity for prophecies. And of course, he was a natural fit for the Charlayan Studium, and he became a student under Louis Soie. The line that just got quoted was from a work of prophecy the Divine Chronicles, which was a work that foresaw the coming of the Seventh Umbral Calamity. Hmm. Urian J is, of course, psyched in his own weird way to be living this prophecy right now. And he acts as the know-it-all lore master of the Scions. Yes. Because of his bookish upbringing, keeps his own counsel for better or for worse. Yes, that's why his area of... Yeah, his his assigned area is literally the Waking Sands itself. Yes. Don't let this guy outside. <laughs> he's he's not going to he's not going to do diplomacy. I think part of his appeal too is that he's he's so unapologetically himself. 
And I think, you know, video games and life or whatever, when you when somebody is kind of unique or eccentric in that way, but they fucking own it, then it's all good. And that's why people like him so much. It's just like, I am who I am. So that's the crew. Obviously, we're all in on the Scions. Otherwise, we'd need a new podcast name. (laughs) So we tell Minfilia yes. We say yes. And we get assigned our first mission right away. At long last, some firsthand experience with primals. And Amagina and Sun's caravan was raided, and the Scions suspect that the Amalja were involved. If correct, they could be angling to summon a primal. Well, the reason why this, you know, uh, having a caravan knocked up is, knocked up is not the appropriate term. Having a, a caravan accosted by, you know, bandits or whatever is, happens all day, fucking every day. The reason why this one is a concern for Minfilia is because it was a huge ass load of crystals. And you pair a bunch of crystals with a tribe that doesn't, that's not good. That's real bad. So we need to investigate. So we'll hop off here before things get heated with this primal. <laughs> so there we have it, Jen. We've joined the Scions. We've met all of the members. And we are ready to take our venture to the next level. Yeah. Here we go. There's a reason, Jen, that I wanted to do this bio segment. And that's because on my first playthrough, I had an Uldan character. So I, I met Thancred through the Uldan quest line. Yeah. And then the rest of these characters were just a sea of indistinct names. I don't feel like ARR does a good job at all of introducing them to you. There's like the phase where they all say, sup, this is Ida, this is Papalimo. They do like the icebreaker game where they all name Mm -hmm. someone else in the room. (laughs) But they don't give you a chance, and this is partially Minfilia's fault, but they don't give you a chance to actually get to know these people as people. Not really. They're just like co-workers with you right now. And you you know bits about them, but they're not your friends yet, at least not mine. Maybe other people bond more quickly than I did, but... I didn't feel a connection to these people until after unnamed events at the end of A Realm Reborn. Correct. Yeah. When shit gets real. Yes. When shit gets real. That said, though, there is characterization there. Like, if you know these characters from a prior playthrough, then you can see their personalities emerging in these bits of dialogue they have. Definitely. But that's also what makes playing this game so awesome is because you know like in real life when you like say start a new job and you have all these new co-workers and maybe you know you do a happy hour or two or whatever but over the years those bonds become so much stronger and you learn so much more about these people and that relationship becomes really rich eventually you know between like major uh releases in the in the between times you will miss them and like when um, when we started and just there was this feeling of like you were going to go see friends that you hadn't seen in a really long time. And you were, it was really exciting. You're almost giddy. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to go. I'm going to see Ishtola again. And like all you want to do is give these people hugs. So like, yes, it does start out really superficially. But that's I think that's normal. 
there's some people who can make insta bonds with people and that's that's not that's not my experience it takes a really long time for me to open up and also uh you know allow that that exchange of vulnerability to happen yes um and that is that is what is going to happen through the course of each expansion it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and it's it's oh it feels great yes i agree with all that but you gotta put your time in and it's worth it it's worth it (laughs) so worth it any other scions thoughts jen nah just that i've I've always fucking loved edith's outfit i wanted that outfit (laughs) next time we are talking about carpenter if you're a player that hasn't dipped their toes into crafting there is a ton of fantastic story content that is accessed through the crafting and gathering classes. Yeah. And these quest lines really showcase people and places in a completely different way than the martial and main story quest content does. And like, honestly, some places don't really get brought to life, I don't think, until you do the, um, the crafting and gathering content. Mm-hmm. Look forward to that next time. Well, that will do it for today's episode. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out via email at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. And we hope that you enjoyed the episode. We will see you next time.